Welcome to the Storyform Podcast. Storyformed is here to celebrate the soul-forming power of imagination, good books, and beauty in the life of your child. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Storyform Podcast. We're so excited to be here with you today. And part of why this is a really exciting day is because we're launching the Storyform Podcast individually from um, at home with Sally and friends. You've probably heard Sally Clarkson, and I've been on there a little bit with Sarah. And we've brought you a few podcasts so far, but we're going out on our own and starting our own podcast. So we're really, really excited about that. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, um, just to tell you a little bit about Storyformed, um, part of our vision is to celebrate the soul-forming power of imagination, to talk about great books with you, and to talk about beauty and imagination in the life of your child. So we're so excited for today, for our talk today, and to bring you more in the future. And I'm really excited to tell you about our guest who's here today, or I'm joined by Jamie Showmaker. I'm going to say hi, hi Jamie. Hello. <laughs> She's here with us, and so we're both going to be um, hosting this together and just talking about our first topic. But before we get to that, um, I would love for each of us just to tell you a little bit about ourselves so you know a little bit about us before we dive into our topic. So Jamie, do you want to go ahead and tell us a bit about you and what you're up to these days? Sure, Holly. I would love to. Um, my name is Jamie Showmaker, and I live in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains in western North Carolina, not too far from Charlotte. Um, for those of you that are familiar with North Carolina, my um, husband, Eric, and I met in a Bible study in college. I was at a small private women's college where I was getting degrees in education and religion, and he was studying chemical engineering at the large university right down the street. And um, we met and got married right after graduation. And in August, we will have been married for 19 years. Um, we have three little boys. Will is seven, Eli is five, and Zach is three. And um, we are homeschoolers. And since we have our very own gang of little men, we are very much inspired by um, Alcott's Plumfield. We live on a little over two acres with um, a barn and dozens of old oak trees and lots of little forest critters. In fact, right now a swallow has made a nest on our patio. So we are watching watching her with her baby Yay. eggs. It's wonderful. <laughs> so we have, um, just like Plumfield, we have lots of outdoor adventures, nature walks, things like that. And of course, we spend a lot of our time reading. Um, Wonderful. Oh, yes. So sharing, Jamie. I'd yes. love to come and visit your place. It's really <laughs> magical. It's wonderful. We love it here. That's awesome. Um, well, in relating a bit to that, I grew up uh, on an Iowa farm. And if any of you are familiar with Wendell Berry, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, uh, my dad was a little bit like him. When I read his writing, um, I, I think of it very much as our family story, specifically Hannah Coulter. It's one of my favorite modern novels. Uh, but yeah, we yes. grew up on the farm with Farmers for Generations um, with one sister. And when I think about my childhood, I think about uh, so much imagination. I used to read books and then try to create plays out of them. And I was sort of the bossy older sister, so I would assign roles to my sister and our friends. Uh, but a few of the favorite ones were Treasure Island and um, some of the Ramona Quimby books. And um, just we made up a king and queen theme one year. And so great memories of doing that, exploring on the farm and camping by our river. My dad was sort of a 
just really free spirit and let us really roam and play probably a little bit more than my mom would have liked, but we had <laughs> many great adventures doing that. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a big part of my childhood. And then I went on to a Christian college after my growing up years and met my husband's th- husband there. And I majored in communications and theology. And then we went on a venture to Colorado. And so I've been here ever since for the last 16 years and um, had four kids in that time. Um, I have three girls and a boy, ranging from ages 12 down to four. And a little bit about reading. Um, I, I'd read a lot as a kid, but probably just didn't make the greatest choices. And so uh, as an adult, became much more inspired to, to read uh, great books and was really exposed to a lot of people who, who could guide me and lead me in that way. And then having children was just another great adventure in really reading a lot of great books that I had never read as a child and in some ways have grieved not having that experience, but I know that there's been so much hope because I get to read them with them and experience them with them. So if that's you, um, don't fear because you have an opportunity to do it now and to to read whatever books that you missed, um, you can start now. Exactly. I I have a very similar background, Holly. I have always been a voracious reader, but I haven't always read good books. Mm -hmm. And um, I read constantly as a child, but I mostly read, you know, popular series and modern young adult novels. And I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't interested. I just did not have anyone to guide me to the good books. And it wasn't until high school when I was actually assigned classics to read that I began to see a difference between what I had been reading and what was actually available to me. And I felt as if a whole other world was opened up. And so, um, you know, I, I'm a writer, a lover of words, a dreamer, a lover of beauty. And when I read things like To Kill a Mockingbird, it was like something in my soul was awakened. And I haven't looked back since. So I have a very similar story. I missed all of those, those um, children's classics, um, but I'm discovering them with my boys. And it's wonderful um, to be reading them along with them. Yes, I, when I think of To Kill a Mockingbird, um, that's the book as an adult that really kind of reawakened my love of literature. I can remember exactly where I was, and it was a recommendation of a friend that just said, if you want to you know, try to get back into this and read something great, read that. And so I was really right. inspired to kind of keep going on my reading journey after reading mm-hmm. that. So, Well, we're going to talk today about um, story as a form of discipleship, and I'm sure many of you have read books or articles or things that have talked about, you know, if you your children read things that have a lot of big words or Latin roots or, you know, they'll be better educated if they're voracious readers, if they, they'll have a great vocabulary, and those things are very important for, for life as an adult and life as they go on, but, um, and I don't want to invalidate those things by any means, but today we want to broaden our vision of what reading can do and of the place of reading and in light of being in a Christian home. Um, And so one of the things I want to start with is thinking about how Jesus as our example. And when I think about him and how he was with um, his disciples, with crowds, that he, he talked, he talked in stories, he talked in parables. Uh, He wasn't necessarily, he, he did teach and he did talk specifically about specific truths, but mostly he was sharing stories and he was sharing in a subversive way. And that just seems so powerful rather than, you know, when we think about that with our kids, we can think about, it's easy to, isn't it, to just lecture and 
Right. How about you, Jamie? Is this, how is this for you in your home? <laughs> yes, it definitely. That's definitely the case. I think, you know, I tend to do that, but I know that that's definitely not the most effective way to get through to their hearts and to their minds. So, yes, for yeah. sure. Yes. Um, when, and, and even thinking about the word discipleship, I think it's used a lot and kind of thrown around a lot. But I think today when we're talking, we're really thinking about uh, what it means to be like Jesus. And probably most things can flow under that, whether that's prayer or reading the Bible with our kids or discussing great stories with them or uh, modeling a way that's like Jesus. Um, but I think great books have a place here in this in this discussion for how we could those th- those books can be a place where we can talk, have really great talks with our kids. Um, Absolutely. And I, when I think about some of the situations he was in, you know, he was strolling with them through fields. He was having meals with them. He was fishing with them, you know, answering their questions, dealing with their grumbling, you know, isn't this a lot like motherhood? We, right. <laughs> we all, you know, we all have situations like this, um, daily, um, Jamie, what about you? Do you can you think of any situations that come up where that seem similar to this when you think about relating? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just thinking about the disciples and and my own little, you know, club of little boys that we have, I think about, you know, how they they grumbled and argued with each other and my boys do the same kinds of things and, you know, Jesus is such a great example for us as parents to see how did he Um, teach the disciples, you know, we can look at him as a model. And, you know, he did teach through story. And so I think that's one of the the ways that we can um, learn from him and emulate him and be more like him. I mean, we we are disciples as well. And so we want to be like Christ, just like we want our children to be like Christ. And so, you know, as parents, we can model, um, he modeled for us what it looks like to love, to love someone well, and to teach them you know, well. And so I think looking to Christ in that way is very um, helpful for us. Yes. I love how, just thinking about the parables, um, it just requires an imagination, doesn't it? To right. From the listener, um, he's, you know, not necessarily explaining an idea to them, but something really simple that um, our kids can understand. He talked about normal people. I think about my family, he talked about farmers and judges and coins and sheep and you know, prodigals and all the things that, you know, we either can relate to within our own families or people that we know or we're, those are the things of daily life that we're, that we're going, you know, that we're dealing with. Um, another thing that really stands out to me is that the stories weren't overtly religious. Um, right. He didn't specifically, um, he did talk about the kingdom of God, but it wasn't like, well, God says you should do this or, you know, and right. just like with us as parents, you know, it's easy to say, well, I want you to do this because I said so, uh, versus, uh, you know, leading gently or leading by our example or, or just reading a story that can kind of speak for us in some ways. Right. Um, so Jamie, let's, let's talk about, um, maybe some of the stories that have helped maybe specifically with your boys have been a form for discipleship. Do you have some that that you guys go to consistently or some favorites that stand out to you? Oh gosh. Yes. Well, my boys are very young. They are, my oldest is just seven. So we do, we do read a lot of picture books, um, but we've started getting into um, chapter books with our read alouds and things like that. So um, there are lots of, lots of books um, that have 
that we go to over and over again. One of the things, speaking of you know parables and, and how Jesus taught, is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, we we read that daily. I think at this point, um, and you know I love how how those types of um, stories, the, the biblical stories, and then just regular books, um, you know, help us to understand how God is at work in our lives. Um, yes. even at this day, um, you know, that's pretty obvious with Bible stories. Um, they teach us, you know, they begin to help our children to understand the character and nature of God, um, who he is, how he's acted in the world and interacted with, you know, his people in the past. And since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can read those stories and get an idea of how God might be at work in the world today and in our lives today. Um, and so that's, you know, reading just the Bible stories, first of all, I think is one of the most important things. Um, but not just Bible stories. I think anything good, true, and beautiful has its source in Christ. And so even if a book or a story isn't spirit, you know, specifically Christian in nature, we can still recognize how those things reflect Christ and his truth to the world. Um, and talk about those things with our children. You know, we, we are made in the image of God. And so I'm, um, you know, everything that we do um, reflects that image. And so I think all stories are kind of echoes of the great story, the one true story. And so, you know, whatever book we're reading, we can look for those things um, and, and look for that truth in those books. Absolutely. I love how you said that. Yeah, we are huge fans of the Jesus Storybook Bible as well. And even my older kids who are 12 and 10, that they keep, they still enjoy listening to it, and it, especially the audio version. Yes. If you guys listen to that, there's a fabulous narrator, um, David Suchet, who reads on there, and so we'll just put that in the car, and we continue to read those over and over, and it's been especially meaningful at Easter. Um, yes. We've just been reading the stories leading up to Easter, so that's been really, really great. Well, Jamie, do you want to tell us about some of the specific books that have really brought life and been great conversation pieces for you? Sure, sure. Um, I think one of the first ones that I recall having um, a really um, intentional conversation with my son, my oldest son, um, was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, and I think that's, <laughs> that's a pretty common one for a lot, of, a lot of children because, I don't know, Lewis just had a way of speaking to children um, that just really um, awakened wonder in them and, and spoke truth to them. And so that was one of the first ones where my son really noticed um, Edmund's selfishness. And, you know, I can go on and on and on all day long about what selfishness looks like, you know, but it's an abstract concept and children, children aren't abstract thinkers. And so, you know, I can say you don't be selfish and, you know, talk about relationships with his sibling, with his brothers. Um, but when he finally saw that, in the, in the, the character of Edmund, um, you know, he, he wanted to talk about that. So that was one of the very first ones. And then another one that, um, was really one of our favorite books, um, read alouds that we read, I think it was when it first came out almost two years ago was the green ember by SD Smith. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that oh, one. Yes. <laughs> right here too. yes. Um, and you know, one of the things, and I don't want to give away, I've, do not do spoilers, so I don't want to spoil anything. But one of the things they keep saying in the book is it will not be so in the mended wood. And my son really caught on to that. Um, we were listening to the audiobook, which is actually narrated beautifully by Joel Clarkson, um, if you're not familiar with that. 
um, you should get that. But we were listening to the audiobook and, and they kept saying it will not be so in the mended wood. And um, my son, we had a, a lot of discussions about about what that meant and how that's similar to what we are living in. You know, he's he's very aware that things are not as they should be. Right. And, um, you know, we talk about this often. Um, and he, he just has this innate longing in his heart for things to be different than they are. I mean, even at seven. And um, so it's just a really great opportunity to talk to him about why those things why things aren't the way they are. Like, why do we have sin in this world and where does it come from? And then point him to Christ as, as the answer and the hope. And, um, so now they are, they are all three very, um, um, they, they talk about that a lot, no matter what we read. Like we were reading, um, Dinotopia by James Gurney. I don't know if you're familiar with that. that It's, it's got beautiful, beautiful illustrations in it. I mean, it's just a a beautiful work of art. He's really more of an artist. I mean, it's a great story, but he's really an artist. Um, but the, the dinosaurs live, um, peacefully with, with the humans in this story, in this, in this, um, in this, um, fantasy world. And they like to talk about that, you know, how, well, you know, one day things will all be made right. And we can't, you know, we can talk to the animals and the dinosaurs. Like they, they really love to, they really zero in on that truth that God is going to make all things new again, and all things are going to be set right. And so, um, any book that, that focuses on those kinds of things are things that my boys are really enjoying right now. So, yes. So that's great. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome. Yeah. I so agree, Jamie, that it's that I don't think we have to read books that are overtly Christian that specifically speak of, you know, God says this and God says that or Bible characters. All those are so, you know, we wouldn't want to minimize the power of Bible stories at all. But um, a book I think of that kind of holds this idea would be Miss Rumpheus. Yes, I'm sure many of you have heard of, but I love just the general idea of um, the messages. Uh, you know, her family has said, "Do something to make the world more beautiful," and of course, this is you know, this is this is a message of truth, and this is a message of of God wanting us that we that we all have a unique vision and calling, and and we have something to do, um, in this in this world, and that's a message I'm always trying to encourage my kids with. And it's not something that always comes natural to me to, but I have to remind myself daily to to not. It's easy sometimes to to correct or to say what's not going well, but to re- remind myself to to encourage to speak life to them, um, and to remind them of what what it is that that they're called to do and to be, um, and that they're image bearers in this life. Yes. I love, I love that one. And, and any book that we talk about today, um, as a side note here, we'll be putting in the notes at the end of, at the end of the show and, um, on our, on the, the website, um, storyform.com. We'll, we'll have that when we get this podcast up. So, um, another one that I think of that is an, it's, is an older book, but newer to our family is called the hat maker sign. This is another picture book. A story by Benjamin Franklin, and it was interesting. I was just putting together some of my thoughts about this, and really, the story is about it's Benjamin Franklin sort of telling a story, like almost like a parable, to Thomas Jefferson to help him through some of his issues of writing the Declaration of Independence and how he's saying, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson saying, Everyone's criticizing my words, and I, I just can't get it right, and but I really believe this is the way that it should be. And so, instead of Benjamin saying to him, Well, it's you know, you're gonna be okay. Okay, or it's fine. He's like, let me let me tell you this story, and so it just so reminded mm-hmm. me of how how Jesus was just sharing his stories and right. 
Um, have you heard of that one, Jamie? I, I have not heard of that one. No, I can't wait to. I'm going to have to find that one. Yeah, you guys will have to check it out. Um, another favorite that has also been probably in the past year newer to us is called Boxes for Katya. And I could yes. be completely saying that wrong. I think that's right. Is it right? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, And this one's by Candace Fleming. It's about a little girl in 1945. She's a Dutch girl. And their their village is going through um, a really difficult time of not really even having their basic needs met. And she receives a package from an American girl and her family. And so, yeah, I don't want to give away the whole how it all comes about in the end. But it's just a beautiful story. Really, I think that conversations that my kids and I had about was just they noticed the empathy from this little girl and they noticed her care and compassion um, for the the American girl, for the Dutch girl, um, just someone she didn't even know, but realizing that even sending something little could be a gift of of life um, Mm -hmm. to her. And one thing that happened around this time that was kind of neat to see was um, our church was actually, we were, we had a couple in our church who works with Syrian refugees and they were sending stuffed animals overseas that had a little recorder in it. And the recorder would would play some of the Jesus stories in English and in their native language. And so we were as a church just um, raising funds to, to be able to deliver these. And my kids, even my four-year-old was just all about this, about, about doing Mm -hmm. something. And I really think, you know, they probably weren't able, my little ones weren't able to articulate, Oh, you know, this, you know, because of this book, but reading things like this, I think kind of stirred something in them and I think inspired them. Um, so I'll, I'll just say one more uh, picture book and then Jamie if you have somewhere to add I have, I have a few more chapter books too but um, another one that we love is called The Raft by Jim LaMarche um, and this one is just it has beautiful pictures as well as story but it's about a boy who um, his name's Nikki and he's really upset and disappointed that he's not getting to spend the summer with his dad. His dad, I think, has to go off on a job, if I remember this right. And he's going to be staying with his grandma and um, just really disappointed. It just doesn't really care about. She lives in a real natural setting, just really doesn't seem to care about what she has to offer. Um, But he finds this raft. And so then the story kind of goes from there and and it really deals with disappointment. And so it's been one where we've been able to talk about uh, just when things don't go your way. And, and for kids and for us adults too, right? That's that's how life is. And often right. things don't go as, as expected. But but what do we do with that? And how do we right. – how can we – you know, we could have conversations with them asking them things like, um, well, how can – you know, God isn't afraid of hearing our disappointments. He, you know, we have the Psalms to show us that he's not afraid of hearing um, that we're upset or we're mad or we're frustrated. And, and so we can take all those things to him. Um, this right. is just something to sort of encourage ways that we can sort of deal with that. Right. Uh, what Absolutely. else? Do you, what do you have, Jamie? What other thoughts do you have? About specific books? Yeah. Or any, yeah. About anything I said. Oh, no. Um, I'm trying to think. My, my children love, um, the classic children's picture books like Blueberries for Sal by Robert yeah. McCloskey. Yeah. Um, we had some good talks um, about obedience with that one. Um, so that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and these, these come from them, you know, like conversations, we'll read it. And, and my son will say, 
well, if she had stayed with her mommy, mm-hmm. she would not, have, you know, she had obeyed right. her mommy and stayed with her mommy. You know, my, my sons are so little. So mm-hmm. our, our, our conversations tend to be very, um, basic at this, at this stage. Um, but yes, I mean, I think there are lots of ways that, that stories, um, can help us with, with discipleship, you know, not just in, in specific character traits. Like as you were talking, I was thinking about specific character traits and virtues that we want to, um, instill in our children. Um, but I think, I think also in the formation of their imagination in general, I think that, um, is, is the, is incredibly important in the formation of their faith and helping them to learn how to have faith. You know, we live in such a, such a scientific world. If it can't be seen or touched or studied empirically, it just isn't true. It isn't real. And faith is the opposite of that. And to have faith, you have to believe in something that is not yet seen. And, um, oh, what's that verse? I think Sarah said it in a former podcast. It's Hebrews 11. Faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence mm-hmm. of things not seen. Right. And, and stories help form our imaginations in a way that make faith possible. You know, we, we learn to grasp a reality beyond what we can see and believe in that reality. You know, fairy tales, especially, you're asking specific books. Fairy tales, I think, are one, are, are um, stories that my, my sons have really grasp, you know, held on to, and they have no, no trouble believing in these miraculous things. You know, we read right. Snow White, Snow White recently, and, you know, it was no problem for them to understand that, that she could be resurrected by this long lost prince, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, they had no, no trouble understanding that and believing that. And they, they loved it. And, you know, stories like these plant those seeds of faith and open their hearts to the possibility that worlds exist beyond what they can see, that resurrection is possible, that the king is going to come save the princess, save the day, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think, you know, those are some of our favorite stories at this point in at the, in the stage and season of life that we're in. Um, are fairy tales, just basic fairy tales, um, because they 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 plant those seeds of faith and and teach our children and ourselves, remind us that there is a world uh, out there that we cannot see yet, um, but that um, the happy ending is coming. You know, and I think um, I think that's important. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I think and there's something in all of us, isn't there, that when we, we read those those books, like you said, even as a parent to a child mm-hmm. that, that reminds us of of that life is not entirely as it should be and that one day all will be made new and all will be different and, and we right. see glimpses of that in, in those stories. That's, that's right. wonderful. Um, I'll just throw out a few chapter books. So I th- yeah, as I mentioned, I, a couple of my kids are a little bit older. And so we really are entering a new phase of, um, I've been mostly reading some of these chapter books aloud to them, but my girls are just all of a sudden taking off and becoming voracious readers. And I always said that I would pre-read everything that they read, <laughs> but I haven't been able to keep up anymore. So right, I'm, right. I'm trusting in some other, you know, others, people's references and, um, and recommendations for those kind of things. But a few that we have read, one that we read this year, um, we, uh, we also homeschool our kids and, uh, at, at home this year, we have a morning time and we're, I'm usually reading something aloud to them in the mornings yes. or 
or whenever we get to it, if it's not quite the morning. <laughs> but um, one we've read this year um, is Little Men, which I think maybe you referenced, Jamie, yes. uh, by Louisa May Alcott. And we've, we're huge fans of Little Women and have re- read that many times. And But we had not read Little Men yet. And so uh, one of my kids was really struggling. We'd had a few bouts of incidents of lying. And honestly, as a mom, I was really struggling with how do I address this and, you know, when, when it sort of, I, I had to confront one of my daughters about something and, it, you know, she completely denied it at first. It's one of those, mo- I guess in some ways you expect this to happen, but then in other right. ways you're like, how can my child be doing <laughs> this? What am I supposed exactly. to do? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, she, I ended up saying, well, to giving her examples of how I knew, like I had sort of found, you know, this thing. And, and so I knew that she had lied and just, we kind of, it came to a point where we just, I was trying to figure out how do I talk about this? And it was literally that week when we had been reading this chapter about a boy lying in little men. So it was just one of those instances where things sort of lined up and came together and I could see her really listening to the story and thinking it through, but it was just really neat how it was a way that these characters and, um, the, just the boys' interactions and Miss Joe's interactions with them and how, how she dealt with it and um, thinking my daughter was able to sort of, I could see her, the wheels sort of turning of thinking through this. And and ultimately, you know, is one of those situations where we, you know, she, she admitted it and it's nothing that you can necessarily fix in the moment, but it, it was right. really a heart issue for her and it was something we continued to talk about and pray about. And I talked to her about how, you know, it's, this is really something that, that the Lord has to work in your heart about. And I prayed with her about it. And, and so we've continued to have conversations about, about that struggle, but not just saying, well, you just need to stop doing that. Like that's right. not really going to make her stop doing that. Right. Or it, it, exactly. It, it becomes a little bit like, um, when you're talking to them like that, like Charlie Brown, all they hear is, well, wah, 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 you know, but, <laughs> but the story, the story right. can bypass that filter, you know, where they have that guard up and it can bypass that filter and go straight into their hearts mm-hmm. and they can see, you know, consequences of actions where they may not see the consequences of their own actions. They can see the consequences of the lying in the story. And, right. you know, if you, if you let the Holy Spirit do its work, you know, and try not to push it too much, mm-hmm. you know, they will, they'll reflect on that. They'll ponder, they'll, you know, wrestle with that and come to the, the conclusion that hopefully <laughs> that you want them to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, okay. I think stories are fantastic for, for that purpose. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, we just have a little bit of time left here, but I'll just throw out a few more. Um, we also have really enjoyed The Courage of Sarah Noble. It's kind of a, an early chapter book, so it was, it was, it's kind of hard to find books sometimes in that place where you're moving from picture books to chapter books, but it's a short, kind of simple chapter book that our kids, when they were reading pretty well on their own, they could, they could read that. And so uh, this book was written in the early 1700s. Um, it's a little girl, of course, Sarah, and uh, she's going with her father to build a new home and they're experiencing all sorts of things, you know, danger from ant- potential animals or potential people they might meet along the way, you know, feeling a little bit unsettled about um, Native Americans that they might meet. So of course, as, as it is in the title, it is a lot, it is about her courage. And so, and, the, and she's only eight. And so I think when we read this around that time that our kids were really able to relate 
to, you know, in their life, what would be situations that might um, make them feel nervous and, of course, completely different. Uh, but seeing that such a young child could be courageous in these right. situations help them to believe, okay, in, in my situation of uh, going to to play a piano lesson that I, I, have, I haven't fully practiced for, or, you know, I'm going to sing a solo or, you know, just different things that might come up or just unknown, unfamiliar environments to them that if they could see her being courageous, then maybe I could see myself being right. that way. Um, another one that we really loved is hundred dresses. And I just especially really real, this story really, really touched me, um, by Eleanor Estes. And she's written a lot of wonderful books. Um, but it, it has a unique, I think, uh, take on the responsibility of it's, it. There's a bit of a kind of addresses bullying, but it was written so many years ago that I think it's somewhat of a classic and that it can speak to this situation over the course of many, many years and even now. But it kind of hits on the responsibility of a bystander in a bullying situation where this little girl is seeing this um, happen, bullying happening with another little girl and feeling, wondering what to do or feeling guilty about what she should do. And so it's, it's a, I won't say the end of it, but it's a, it's a really, really sweet story. And, and I'll throw out one more and then give you a chance, Jamie, to throw in some more. <laughs> um, we have loved, and I have also really loved the, the little princess and you'll probably notice a lot of these might be a little bit more tending to girls, although I'm sure there are many boys that would love them because I have three girls. So, and my, my boy's a little younger, so we're just starting to get into more of the chapter books that probably boys would, you know, boys might tend toward a bit more. Uh, but The Little Princess is a is a by Frances Hodgen Burnett, who you may have heard of. And uh, the little girl is Sarah, and she's lived a life of having plenty, but... Uh, now, then um, situations happened and she became more of a servant to the girls that she was around and the people she knew. But her imagination really gave her hope for the situation she was in and really uh, helped her to get through this really difficult and trying time. There were so many moments where I felt really emotional in that book just seeing <laughs> what she was going through and um, seeing how her imagination um, really carried her through. So, right. Do you have any others to add? Jamie? Um, I'll throw one out. Like I said, my, my boys are young, but I'll um, mention one that I think is wonderful for teenagers um, and adults. It's one of my favorite um, series that I read this past year um, was The Wing Feather Saga by Andrew Peterson. Yes. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, um, but it's, it's a series of four books. The first one is... Um, on the edge of the dark sea of darkness. That's the title. Right. Um, yep. but it's, it's a wonderful, beautiful, um, series. It's about three siblings, um, Janner, Cal and Lily. And, um, they are kind of thrown into this, um, grand adventure, um, where they, um, have, have some personal family things that they have to address, but they are, they are part of a, of the larger narrative in the world in which they live and that they have a place in that. Um, and it's, it's just a beautiful adventure. They are, um, so many different things you can, you can talk about with your, with your kids with this one. I mean, um, sibling relationships, family, courage, um, like you were saying, stepping into your purpose and your place in the world. And I mean, in, in the end, it is just, beautifully redemptive. Um, there is so much truth and goodness and beauty in that series. And that's one um, that I cannot recommend highly enough for older teenagers. Um, 
So that's that's one of my favorites as well. Yes. That's great. I'm glad you mentioned that one. My daughter just finished it and I haven't yes. read it yet, so I need to follow her. But um, Beautiful. she They're absolutely wonderful. loved it and just went from one to the next and mm-hmm. couldn't stop reading until she finished. <laughs> that was <so>. me. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. That's awesome. So yes. um I think I think we might have mentioned it earlier, but in thinking I think Jamie might have mentioned just some just some questions that we can ask our kids in the process of talking about these books. But a question that I that I try to ask if, if I remember when we're reading is whether it's a picture book or a chapter book, I think you can ask it probably in most any story, is do you think the character should have done that? And right. I think that's propelled us into to quite a few really great discussions. It's just sort of interesting at their various ages and stages, you know, what what they'll say. But um, I think sometimes we can imagine that we have to have, you know, comprehension questions to go with each book if we're really going to have a great, uh, meaningful discussion. But there's probably just a handful that, mm-hmm. that we could ask for, for every book. And, and then right. you can throw it back to them. Like, well, would, you know, if you were in that character situation, would you have done that? And um, right. one example I always think of is um, when we talk about the lion the witch and the wardrobe and um mm-hmm. <clears throat> and thinking about Edmund and his choice with you know with the witch and when he decided to ultimately to follow her for that period of time and um you know it's not always a simple answer is it like well right. I might not even say yes or no well I you know I can see that he was you know this sounded really good about her proposal and I, I felt tempted but on the other hand his his siblings were here and they were doing something different and so as they get older, you can you really get into some conversations that have more nuance and context, and it's not always a black and white issue. Right, is it? right. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I, I agree with you. I try not to um, – I try very hard not to tell my children what they should get out of the story. Yes. You know, I ask them, what, like you said, should he have done that? What do you think? Why? Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And um, let them ponder it. I, I've heard um, – oh, Andrew Pudua from the Institute of Excellence in Writing talk a lot about like Aesop's fables and how you don't ever tell them the moral at the end of the story. Let leave them with that tension and let them kind of work it out on their own. Let them think it through. They will come to it. They will, they will get there. Um, but, and they will remember it much better if they wrestle with it and come to that themselves. And so that's one thing, you know, I try to ask those kinds of questions, like just to get them thinking in that direction. Exactly. Yeah. I, yes. I think it's been difficult not to try to moralize for them. Right. As you've said that, you know, mm-hmm. you so badly want to finish, you finish a story, you so badly want to say, this is exactly what you should be taking from this story. Right. Right. But, right. Um, to just, you know, to prayerfully ask the Lord to help you keep silent in those moments and really, as Jamie said, let them sort of ponder and, and, they, and sometimes they may not even come to it right away. It may be, right. you know, days or a week later, or they might read something else where that connects to that idea and go, you know, a light bulb goes on and they make this connection right. and, you know, and you realize, okay, like, you know, letting them just sort of ponder right. it on their own, like you said. They can exactly. things. Exactly. And, you know, I think, you know, as parents, you know, we, we have to leave so much of what we're doing in the hands of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's, it's his work, not ours. And a lot of times we don't even, I mean, I think obviously there are times that 
what they need to know is clear. <laughs> As parents, we know, okay, this child needs to learn obedience or this child needs to learn this. But there are a lot of times that even as parents, I don't think we always know what, what they're struggling with in their hearts, but the Holy Spirit does. And so if we're off trying to tell them, this is what you should get from this story, but there's something else completely different that he's working on in their hearts. You know, I think we can we can work against it in that in some ways if we're trying too hard to what you said moralize the story. So, yes. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, we are about out of time. Jamie, do you have any last thoughts you want to leave everyone with? No, I'm just so excited to be here today and to to talk with you guys and to um just be a part of the Storyform community. I'm so excited to have these discussions like this. Yes, yeah, so it's been fun. Yeah, it's been I'm fun. So glad you we've gotten to talk today. It's, it yes. has been so much fun. Um, and just as a last encouragement to everyone listening, um, I think it's been helpful for me to remember that you know, when in, in light of all these ideas that our children are like little seeds that that sometimes we want them to be huge trees already, but eventually they will grow into oak trees. But uh, in thinking about character and in thinking about the changes that we hope to see, that it takes time, and if we're you know, prayerfully patient. And as Jamie said beautifully, that it's really not our work, that, that we can lay a feast before them and give them opportunities and do things to help this formation process. But ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit's work that we're participating in. So, well, as we wrap up, I just want to let you know a little bit about what's going on in the Storyform community. We are relaunching the website. So, yay, that's really yay. exciting. Um, Clay Clarkson and... Josh at the Whole Heart Office have been faithfully working for many, many hours to, to get this site relaunched. And so um, it, we're all set to ra- launch the website and this podcast on the same day. And so uh, we'd love for you to, to go to the Storyform website, which is still storyform.com. And if you want to follow us a bit more, we have a Facebook page that is, it is a page. It's just Storyform, so you can search for us that way. And then we also have an Instagram account, Storyformed Home. So we hope that you'll follow us that way and continue to follow us on the podcast. So we're, we're so excited for the next ones to come. But until then, we hope that you read on. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out our website at storyform.com for show notes and like us on our Storyform Facebook page and follow us at Storyformed Home on Instagram. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a comment so that others can find out about us too. May you and your family be Storyformed.